our journey through God's story, marching from Genesis to Revelation in 31 Sundays. Uh, if you have your Bible, locate 2 Samuel. We are uh, going to conclude uh, King David's life today. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And uh, we have there recorded for us one of uh, the biggest belly flops in all of the Bible. So uh, th- this is like, if you think of a big old belly flop uh, and uh, it's ugly, uh, this is that belly flop you normally think of. First Sam, excuse me, Second Samuel chapter 11, King David's at the zenith. He's at the high point of his power, authority, and wealth takes a break now. He's uh, fought long and hard enough, he thought. He's going to uh, relax and enjoy being king. Uh, I would argue by taking a break from being what Jehovah Jehovah had called him to be. He's in trouble now. He's going to kick back, take it easy, uh, because pretty soon he gets bored. Recall that? 2 Samuel chapter 11. uh, And he spots... Uh, scripture describes her as a very beautiful woman taking a bath. Does Scripture ever exaggerate? She's a very beautiful woman, and uh, uh, David sees her, and he is the aggressor here, and he pays a huge price. But I just need to say very quickly, uh, Bathsheba had no business taking a bath where she knew... Trust me, ladies, when you're taking a bath, do you know if somebody can watch? Always. You know if the king can watch you. You know if the king's staff could. So I'm just telling you, she had no business doing what she was doing, although King David uh, was the uh, primary aggressor here. Anyway, David's thoughts are filled with lust. First, he inquires about her. Remember what the messenger says? Uh, Oh, that's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. That should have been the end, right? Uh, But in chapter 11 and verse 4, David sends messengers to bring Bathsheba to his bedroom. They have sexual relations. She goes back home until, uh, that probably maybe would have been the end, but in verse 5, word comes to David. What's the word? Uh, I'm pregnant. Chapter 11, verse 6, David goes to work quickly, sends word to General Joab, he's got a plan, send Uriah to me. Chapter 11, verse 7, uh, so how's the war going, Uriah? How you doing out there on the front lines? Give me a report. Thanks for the report. Chapter 11, verse 8, now go home. Go home, I've heard you've got a beautiful bride. Go home and enjoy your beautiful bride. Plan is this. Uriah goes home, has sexual relations with his wife Bathsheba. No one will know. They'll think that Uriah's the father, right? Chapter 11, verse 9, Uriah sleeps at the palace entrance with the servants. Doesn't go home. Uh, Chapter 11, verse 10, Uriah, why did you go home? You're on vacation. Go relax. Chapter 11, verse 11, uh, Uriah says, well, My commander Joab and my fellow soldiers are out there sleeping in tents on the front lines. Uh, I'm not going to take a vacation while my men are out there on the front lines. 
Uh, chapter 11, verse 12, plan A doesn't work. Let's move to plan B. Uh, chapter 11, verse 13, uh, David made Uriah drunk. It says it that plain in Scripture. David made Uriah drunk. Get him drunk, and then he'll just stumble home to his wife. Instead, what does he do? He stumbles to his mat at the palace entrance with the other servants. Plan A doesn't work. Plan B fails. King David now moves to plan C. Uh, Verses 14 to 17, chapter 11. uh, David writes a letter to Commander Joab. Here, Uriah, uh, I've got a note for you to take to General Joab. Uh, Would you take this with you and deliver it? And sure enough, Uriah delivers his death warrant to General Joab. Uh, Here's what the note said. Uh, Put Uriah in the front lines where the fighting is fiercest. Uh, Withdraw some of the men. Sure enough, Uriah is killed just as King David had planned. So, uh, David has gotten away with it, right? Right? Uh, He's free now to marry the widow Bathsheba. No one will know. At this point, David is now 50 years old. Uh, 50 years old, he's been king for 20 years. He deserves a little break, don't you think? He should be able to live like all the other kings and, and let it rip a little. So some wild oats, don't you think? Uh, he, he can just kind of say, you know, I've been obedient to you, Jehovah, for 50 years. Now just let me have some freedom and do my own thing, right? Let's, let's hear from David how he felt after Plan C was implemented. Let's hear from David. Matter of fact, he actually wrote a song about how he felt after this time with Bathsheba. We call that song Psalm 51. Would you stand with me? I want to show you. This, This is how David felt after his sin, his fling with Bathsheba. Verse 1, Psalm 51 We'll read down to verse 12. Read with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's pray. Lord, uh, 
even a man after your own heart is capable of an awful fall. That's sobering, Lord. So uh, might that be a reminder to all of us that it wouldn't take too many uh, bad choices for us to uh, land in a similar situation just like David. Would you teach us this morning, Lord? Would you uh, show us uh, what we're capable of? Lord, perhaps show some of us what we've actually already been doing and make it clear and obvious what needs to change. And Lord, when we blow it big time, I'm grateful that you show us how to get out of the pit. Lord, if there's some here who are in the pit, if there's some here who have been uh, living and chained to sin, they, they've been wallowing in the mud and the manure of their sin, Lord, would you show them today how they can get out of that pit? We invite your Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to come today and come in combination with your book, and Lord, you speak real loud and real clear to your church here at Walloon Lake. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one voice, you can be seated. Psalm 51 says that David was physically sick and in pain. Psalm 32 says the same thing. Physically sick and in pain, emotionally drained and empty, Spiritually, he was dry and barren. The only road out of this pit, the only road out of his misery and sadness is the road of repentance. He he needs to do the U-turn. His only hope for joy and peace and a -a make-a-difference life was to do a U-turn and run back to the Lord Jesus. That, that was his only hope. That, that was it. Um, let's just imagine, okay? Can you put your sanctified imagination on for a moment? Uh, Ron, can I use you today? Yeah, come on up here. So, coming into church today, um, Ron just happened to slip and fall. There was a little slick spot over here. Uh, uh, imaginary ice, Okay. And he slips and he falls. So if you slip and fall, and let's assume you're not hurt too bad, how long are you going to be down on the ground? Five seconds. At the most. Yeah, yeah. Depends how Exactly, exactly. Because, yeah, you get up and you say, "Ah, I meant to do that, you know. Okay. Uh, So so he gets up. Uh, What if he just laid there for like 15 minutes? And he's moaning. Lisa Lisa and I, what are we going to do? We're going to probably call 911, aren't we? Or at least find somebody, yeah. Yeah, or laugh a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's just assume he says, I'm fine. Just leave me here. Uh, and we get done with the service, and obviously we're going to go check on him. Don't you think, Lisa? Yeah. How you doing, Ron? I'm okay. I'm just going to lay here a little more. Okay. So we go check on him after service, and he, he still want to stay there, you know? So we bring out a blanket, you know, and lay, lay it on you there and say, okay, Ron. Uh, then then Pastor Chad comes in tomorrow morning. He's always here first. He's the first one here. Uh, and Pastor Chad notices he's still on the sidewalk tomorrow. What's going on? Ron, get up. What are you doing? What are you doing? And, and you say, you know what? <clears throat> I'm kind of comfortable. 
just need a little break. Yeah, we're going to lay here. So uh, we come in on uh, Thursday for staff meeting, and Andy, uh, sure enough, checks on Ron. Ron's still here, staff meeting Thursday morning. What's going on? What's going on? You know, and, and we all, next Sunday, we all got to go check, don't you think? So we're all out there, Ron, are you okay? You're still laying here. Are you doing okay? And, and you say, you know, I'm going to get up one of these days. Just, just, just leave me alone. I'll be fine. Okay? Uh, any chance that's going to happen? That would be really, really strange. Okay? Listen close. But some of us spiritually fall, and we lay for days and weeks and months. And King David actually laid where he fell for a year. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Ron, I believe you'll get up quick. Okay. Here's what you need to know. In this story we just read, between his fall with Bathsheba, and now he works it all out and has Uriah killed and got the deception going. Listen closely. It's been an entire year that he's laying in the mud and the manure of his sin. And I would argue that's more peculiar, that's more dangerous than Ron laying out on the sidewalk. We would never lay there on the sidewalk. We wouldn't lay there for 15 minutes if we could get up, would we? Some of you, you, you'd crawl if you had to. You'd do whatever it takes. I'm not laying here. But spiritually, we fall, and for one year, David thought he got away with it. For one entire year, David was out of fellowship with the Lord. Now, if the Lord hadn't sent a prophet named Nathan uh, to David, I'm not sure how long he would have continued laying there. But the Lord cared enough for King David that he sends his man, his prophet, Nathan, to go and challenge him. Okay? Now, here's the rub. Give me your eyes, everybody. Some of you here this morning... You've sinned, you've blown it, and you know exactly what you did. Maybe it wasn't quite as awful as what David did with Bathsheba, but, but you've blown it, you've fallen, you've sinned, and you've been laying there for some time. You're just laying there, wallowing in your sin. Uh, before we look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, that's where we're going to go right now, I need to ask you, what's it going to take for you to get up? What's it going to take for you to realize I shouldn't just be laying here day after day, week after week, month after month. How long are you going to wallow in the mud and the manure of your sin before you finally run to the Lord and get clean? 2 Samuel 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. Then the Lord... Nathan just didn't go. The Lord prompted Nathan to go. Here's what you need to know. The Lord always comes after his children. Are you a child of King Jesus? Do you know Jesus personally? Has he taken up residence in your heart, in your life, through his spirit? If you're one of his kids, he always comes after his children. Do you remember that whale of a prophet? What was his name? Jonah, yeah, yeah. And he decided he quits, right? He says to Jehovah, I quit you, Jehovah. And did the Lord quit on Jonah? Did the Lord quit on Jonah? Never. <laughs> After three days in fish jail, it's not, that's a really bad jail to go to, 
that puke of a prophet lands on the beach and he does the U-turn. Finally, I got the message uh, and now he says, I went to Spain, but now instead of going to Spain, you're right, I think I'm going to do exactly what you've called me to do, Lord. And finally he goes to Nineveh like the Lord had commanded. The, the Lord here, Second Samuel 12, allows King David to taste the bitterness of his sin. Kind of stews and wallows in his sin before he sends Nathan. I think David thought he was going to get away with it. I think King David thought, you know what, I, I think no one knows. Well, lots of people knew. The servants, the messengers, Joab, uh, lots of people knew. But the Lord allowed David to soak in the stew of his guilt to soften up his heart. And then he sends Nathan. And uh, yeah, he's going to tell him a little story, okay? Uh, let, let's see the story that Nathan tells back in chapter 12, verse 1. There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it. It grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. That little, that little lamb was like a daughter to him. Verse 4, now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Just pause for a moment before we go on. Let me ask, who was the rich man here? Yeah, David. David was the rich. Who was the poor man here? Uriah. And who was the ewe lamb that was stolen and eaten? Bathsheba. Okay. Uh, so, so now you, you understand it. You get it pretty quick. Okay. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did that must die. He must pay for, for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and he had no pity isn't it interesting that David could see the speck in that rich man's eye, but he couldn't see the canoe in his own eye? Couldn't see that that was really all about him. Now, Dave, Nathan has David set up, okay? I'll put him up on the tee. Now he's about to swing real hard and, and drive him. Uh, here we go, verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. <laughs> that, that rich man, that's you. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, your master's wives and your arms. I gave all of Israel and Judah. And if all of this had been too little, I'd have given you even more. Verse 9, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, because you despised me. You took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Hmm. Clear reminder. The Lord uses people to come after us when we're laying on the sidewalk. Did you know that, Ron? The, the Lord uses people to come and wake us up 
and challenge us to repent. Uh, Galatians 6.1, if you see someone in sin, church, what are you supposed to do? Let's talk to everybody about them, but don't talk to them, right? Let's share that everywhere we go. Get it on the gossip mill, don't you think? Galatians 6.1, if you see that, what are you supposed to do? Go to that person and seek to restore them, if they'll listen. Uh, Matthew 18, if they sin against you, then you go, then take some witnesses and take it to the church, if that doesn't work out, okay? Um, if someone is talking to you about sin in your life, give me your eyes. If somebody is challenging you, if your wife is pointing out something in your life, if your parents are showing you some area of shortcoming, if a brother or sister in the church family is talking about you in sin, before you slam the door, before you yell at them, before you uh, slam the phone down, here's what you might consider. Maybe that's your Nathan. Maybe the Lord sent that person to you to get your attention and wake you up. Verse 11. This is what the Lord says. This is Nathan talking to David. Out of your household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I'm going to take your wives and give them to the one who's close to you. He'll sleep with your wives in broad daylight. That's exactly what Absalom did. You did it in secret, but I'm going to do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. It's going to be bad, David. Then Nathan said to, then David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. But because by doing this, you've shown utter contempt for the Lord, that son that was born to you in Bathsheba is going to die. Consequences. Consequences roll into David's life. Now, some of you are thinking, but, but isn't he a follower of Jehovah God? Uh, verse 13, didn't he just repent? Didn't he just say, I've sinned against the Lord? That's clear confession. Why did David have such hard consequences? Give me your eyes. If he actually repented and confessed and he owned up to it. You ready? At salvation, when you say yes to Jesus by faith, I believe what you did for me on the cross, Jesus. You uh, shed your blood. You took my place in the tomb. You arose from the dead for me. We're freed from the penalty of sin. In other words... Never will you or I, who know Jesus personally, have to face hell or the lake of fire. Isn't that good news? However, we are not freed from God's laws. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he what? So to the sinful nature, we reap destruction. David was reaping what he sowed. When we, when we sin, will the Lord forgive us? Yes. Uh, are we still going to go and we've got uh, that place that we're going to be with Him face to face and the new heaven, the new earth? Of course, yes. But you're still going to reap what you sow. The consequences still come. I've used this before. But it works. My wife, Denise, and I, sanctified imagination, right? Uh, we have a terrible fight. I run out of the house, I wind up in a bar, and I get horribly drunk. On the way home, sanctified imagination, right? And I'm speeding and weaving, and I'm going 75 miles an hour, and I smack a tree, 
and the surgeon saves my life, but he looks at me and said, sorry, but I needed to amputate your right leg. Suppose Denise will forgive me? What do you think? Will you forgive me? Yeah. Okay, in about a month, I roll up, I roll up here in my wheelchair, and I look out at y'all, and I say, I was wrong. Uh, I sinned. Will you please forgive me? Will you folks forgive me? Is my leg going to grow back? I'm just telling you, a man reaps what he sows. And David was willing to turn and face the consequences of his sin, his lust, his lying, his adultery, his murder, his deception. Okay? And the Lord took away David's sin, spared his life, restored the joy of his salvation. What is, what is it that David had to do? He needed to repent. He needed to literally, see, see the drawing up there? He was going this way, and he was headed towards sin and Satan and death. What is repentance? Track with me. It's turning and going the other direction. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to go your way. I'm going to do it according to your book. I'm going to head for life. I, I want to go the other direction. I want to do it your way. That's what repentance is all about. Here's a good definition of repentance. Next slide, Clint. Uh, repentance is a change of mind and a heart. It includes turning away from sin and turning to God for forgiveness. Or maybe this way will stick better with you. We got the ABCs, okay? Here we go. Uh, a, admit it. I sinned. B, be sorry. Face down, David's sorry about his sin. Uh, he's not just sorry he got caught. He's sorrowful for his sin. C, he confesses his sin. Call it the same. 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just, will forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what's the D? Does it show up? What is it? Say it with me. Don't do it again. Yeah, I'm making no plans. It's not like, well, I want to get right with you today, but I'm going to do it again tomorrow at 4 o'clock. No, 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 that, that's not repentance. That's not real, real confession, okay? Uh, I want to close by looking quickly at John chapter 13. Gospel of John chapter 13. If you have it, uh, if you have your Bible, turn here quickly. Um, we've got two minutes, okay? Here we go. Got seven minutes worth of information. I got two minutes to do it. Jesus, uh, this is the, the Last Supper. Jesus wraps a towel around his waist. Uh, he's going to wash the disciples' feet. Verse 6, Peter says, Lord, are you really going to wash my feet? Verse 7, uh, Jesus says, you don't understand it now, Pete, but yes, you'll get it later. Verse 8, Peter says, no, Jesus, you'll never wash my feet. I'm not worthy. Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you're not worthy. You don't belong to me. Typical Peter fashion well, if I got to do it, then why stop at my feet? Jesus, shampoo my hair. Put some conditioner. Uh, wash everywhere. Give me a complete bath, uh, is what Peter says to him. And then verse 10, this is where I want you to go. This is huge. Here's what Jesus says. Those who've had a bath need only to what? Wash it. Once you've had your spiritual bath, you're, you're clean. But the key is you got to keep your feet clean. Give me your eyes. You and I only need one spiritual bath. That happens when by faith I say I do by faith and receive Jesus. It's wash clean. 
okay? But he says you only need one bath, but Peter, church at Walloon, you need to make sure you keep your feet clean. What's he talking about? He means, I want you to stay in right relationship with me, and when you walk in this dirty, filthy, sinful world, make sure you stay in right relationship with me. Daily deal with sin that you step in. You understand what I'm talking? He stepped in it. She stepped in it. What did they step in? They stepped in sin. Confessing sin that flows from our tongues. Confessing sin that pollutes our what? Our minds. Confessing sin. I'm going to keep a short account with you, Lord. I'm not going to allow my feet to get dirty and then just lay there. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do the U-turn and get my feet clean. That's the secret to a victorious, make-a-difference, fruitful life. You understand? You want joy, you want peace, you want the joy of the Lord daily in your life, then you've got to keep your feet clean. Question as we close. I'm not talking physically, but look at your feet right now. Go ahead, look at them. How, how are your feet doing? Spiritually, are your feet clean this morning? Or, or have you allowed them to get filthy and you're just laying there and what's it going to take for you to get up and get your feet clean? Wash, cleanse, purify, back right with the Lord Jesus. Bow your heads, shut your eyes as we close. How, how are your feet this morning spiritually? How are your feet doing? Would you be willing to invite the Lord to show you? Lord, how, how are my feet doing? Is my life clean? Am I in right relationship? Am I abiding and, and full of your spirit right now? Or am I walking around with dirty, filthy, manure and mud-covered feet, spiritually speaking? The Lord speaks to you and he gives you a good nudge right now and you've been ignoring something that you participate in in thought, word, deed. He calls it sin and you've been ignoring or excusing or rationalizing why that's okay. You can keep laying there. You can lay there another week, another month, another year. That's an awful way to live. That's what David shows us. Or you can get up today and you can run to the cross. Jesus has already marked your account paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb. Isn't that amazing? Write the check of confession. Ask Him to wash and cleanse and purify your feet, your life, your mouth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making provision for filthy feet. And Lord, if there's anybody here who's never taken that spiritual bath, Lord, would you make it clear to them that the first thing they need to do is to run to the cross and say yes by faith and get that spiritual bath and get their accounts marked paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb.
Thank you for the life of David. Even the ugly belly flap, flop parts. It's in Jesus' name we pray.